I have learned over the years that the nicest thing I can do is to just say to myself, Good morning, darling. I love you. We're going to have a really great day today. Hello and welcome to episode 312 of Under the Call of MS. It is the normal Thursday episode, a little bit of comics, a little bit of MS health stuff, a little bit of whatever. Yeah, a nice little stack of comics piled up again. So we're going to start out with one that is A Man Called Keb. This is number two by Garthinus and Carlos Esquera. We see this interesting Kevin character dropped off out in the woods. And a tiger just happens to pounce on top of him. And we find out that he's come in search for one of his military buddies in this issue. And he's living out in the woods with a girl and a tiger. And Kevin just gets in there and hangs out with the two of them and three of them. And they party it up for a night and talk over what's going on and stuff. And you get to check out the story to find out. But that was number two, so I'm like in the middle of who knows what, however many issues. And then we checked out The Authority, The Magnificent Kevin. And of course, you can obviously figure out why I bought these comics. <laughs> Anything with Kevin in them, I'm going to pick up just because. But we have number one, two, and four of five. So we're missing three and five. But it's very interesting. We get this Kevin character that's ex-military, kind of like a government uh, assassin type character. He just does whatever his job is to do to make money. And along the way, he meets a variety of interesting characters. And one includes this Batman-like character. Uh, one's like a harpy character. And there's just variety of characters he meets along the way. And along the way, you get this kind of a crossover between a genie, a court gesture... An oversized sperm cell. <laughs> Just this really goofy character, but he runs around attacking people, and when he comes across them, he gets in front of them and says, I'm a vagina, <laughs> and smacks them in the face with a cake. And this cake apparently connects to their flesh. They're still alive and breathing. They got this cake stuck on their face. But if you try it, they tried to peel the cake off one of the characters and their flesh was coming with it. So the cake like absorbs into their flesh and becomes part of them. But the two issues I'm missing apparently explain this more because it is not explained in the three issues that I read. <laughs> it was strange. Uh, it's kind of got an Aussie feel, uh, down under Australia feel to it. Uh, they like to use the C word a lot in this, uh, 
book along with a variety of other words. But that character that just comes up and says, I'm a vagina, <laughs> smacks people in the face. I'm like, I want to know who the hell this character is. He's got like a long, weird tail. He's got that pointy-headed genie look to him. But just not sure who this character is or where he came from. And I'm hoping to get those other two issues so I can find out and get some answers along the way. And we checked out Buffy the Vampire Slayer, number nine from season 11. I bought this one basically because of all the purple bats on the cover. I thought it was cool as hell. I thought it was a glow-in-dark cover, but I don't, I don't see anything that could make it a glow-in-the-dark style cover. But in this one, you get Buffy fighting with a bunch of characters, her and Willow. They're dealing with a bunch of characters along the way, and there's a bunch of magic things going on. Uh, we see a lot of strange characters that are imprisoned by some type of military officials, and they just happen to escape along the way. We get to see... Buffy meeting up with Spike, we get Xander, and Cordy, I believe, and, and you get to see a lot of the characters in here, but apparently they're, the military are imprisoning people that have any type of powers and stuff, and we get to see a group of vampires that are, happen to be hanging out underneath a bridge. But I bought this one just because of the cover. And so I'm missing everything else from that season. Although I may have some laying around here. I just haven't got to them yet. So I'll have to check and see what I come across. And then we got Harley's... Harley Quinn 25th Anniversary Special from DC Comics. Got a good list of people in here. Connor, Palmiotti, Dini, Harden, Zdarsky, Kinos, Kibblesmith, LaFuente, Mounts, Sinclair, Rosh. It starts out with Harley and her little, little strange little character buddy that's got the black and red outfit that hangs out with her all the time. I thought his name was Kevin, too, <laughs> now that I think about it, but you'd see them hanging out, and then the girls, Harley, Ivy, and Catwoman just happen to I think it's Catwoman that's with them. It's been a while since I read these, but they just happen to save someone's, a very rich person's belongings they helped them out and by doing that the rich person's like well hey you can spend a few days all expenses paid in my uh, mansion in the honeymoon suite which is a huge mistake allowing these three girls to have access to anything like that 
Swamp Thing happens to be in here, which is awesome. A little crossover between Swamp Thing and Ivy and some stuff going on with the plant world. But yeah, it's like you give these girls access to a place, all expenses paid, they're going to definitely spend every expense that's allowed or given to them. So you got to watch out what happens with that. That can be very dangerous. Those girls like to party and they will invite everybody. All right. From Bongo Comics, we have Hopsters Tracks. Number one and two. This is just a strange story about a... Well... A kangaroo-type character female and a wolf-type character, coyote. I'd say more coyote-ish type character and this kangaroo character, this guy and girl. They're just hanging out, stopping by their friend who owns is a rabbit that owns a gas station and wants to help him out, make his gas station more memorable, attract more customers. So the fox character, coyote character, whatever you want to call him, decides to make a giant dinosaur behind, that's standing behind the gas station. And he puts all kinds of effort into it, trying to make it do certain things, which stupidly made it spew oil, Made it spit fire. Made it do a lot of things that scared a lot of customers off and ended up costing the poor rabbit <clears throat> more money in the long run. And tons of stuff happens with that giant dinosaur that just ends up costing them more and more money along the way. But I don't want to give it all away. You're going to have to read it. And the second issue, the... Fox character is complaining about buying a car that ended up being a huge lemon. And so he pickets the car lot. The guy at the car lot complains to the cops, but they can't do nothing because he's on public property just voicing his opinion. And the cop tells the car guy, it's like, it's your own fault. You've been scamming people for years. Now you're paying for it. And along the way, we get to see it. Bunch of things happen between the car guy and the fox character. It's just, it's fun. Fun standard Bongo comic style. Goofy character mashup. But, yeah, definitely fun. Definitely worth worth checking out. It's, it's all black and white. But the artwork's decent and the storylines are enjoyable, so... Check it out. And then we checked out King Spawn number five. Where we get to see another character in here, which we kind of know the character already. But we, it gets a little deeper with it. Kind of gets into the Congo Osto storyline. We get a huge backstory of Spawn, when he was sent to 
wipe out a village and how he was taken out and how he turned into spawn and all that stuff. And along the way, we get to see this new character appear and kind of let Spawn know what he should do, what he's supposed to do, why he's supposed to put the crown on, and trying to get Spawn to get the damn crown on and become King Spawn and open up the four corners of hell or whatever you want to call it. That's going to allow all the demons through that's going to allow them to take over the earth and destroy everything do what they want with it then the last one we're going to talk about is vampirella unholy oh it's vampirella dracula unholy a love story issue one the honeymoon begins the adventure of several lifetimes gets rolling as vampirella and new husband, Matt, journey to Castle Dracula in Transylvania in an attempt to cheat fate by preventing both a high-tech virus and an ancient curse from using Matt's body to resurrect the deadliest threat the world has ever known. Meanwhile, secrets and mystery grow around Bampy's spouse, who may not be nearly as innocent as he appears to be. And this follows off one of the Vampirella storylines that I've been reading, which I can't, I don't know if it was the Vampiverse one, or it's one of the latest Vampirella ones I was reading, where she finds the kid, she finds out that the kid's going to be Dracula, so she raises the kid, and then she falls in love with the kid, and... is supposed to basically marry and consummate the whole wedding and everything with Dracula. And that's how things are going to start happening. But we don't know yet what's going on with this, other than them trying to get to the point where he's supposed to turn into Dracula. And we're going to find out more through the storyline. And see what happens with it. I am getting attacked by a cat right now. Because he is, has to have tons of attention. Because of winter time. He's a major pain in the ass. He's up at four in the morning. He wants attention. He's gets the next person up at five. Then the next person up at six. And just keep going. Just keep waking people up. And. Getting everybody up so that he can have his way. Such a pain in my ass. Like, I'm constantly complaining about animals that are annoying me. Yeah. Because they just, I love them to death, but damn it. I gotta get shit done and I can't get shit done when you're constantly on me. So I can't wait for summertime when I can just open the door, let them play. But right now, you constantly open the door a hundred times a day, and he just sits there and doesn't go out. It he acts like he wants it, acts like he should get his way, however he wants. Just pushes himself around. Uh, but yeah, 
It's kind of hard to do anything with him on you. So that's why I'm not getting stuff out as much as I'd like to and getting stuff done. But I suppose I could talk about some shit that we've been watching. Let's see if I can find anything here. You know, I watched a bunch of stuff on Disney+. Plus. I finally watched the Black Widow movie so I could watch the rest of Hawkeye without missing out on anything. Personally, that was probably one of my least liked movies that's come out in a while. Uh, it's just even the major scenes, the prison escape and the other action scenes and stuff did not have it for me. It was they were very boring and. There happens to be things that look like fairies in a tree. Like, are we really bringing fairies into the world now? Into the MCU? I don't know. I don't know what that's going to pertain to. I don't really know what I watched. I was so bored. I probably missed out on all the good parts because I just kept doing work around the house. Well, I was watching it because it just was not pulling me in. I thought I'd like it more, but I watched it so I could get caught up on things for Hawkeye, which I enjoyed. The first couple episodes of Hawkeye were enjoyable. The rest of it was too drawn out for me. I know they had to draw it out for the whole first season. Keep one simple storyline for the whole season instead of mixing a few things in there. It's focused on the whole Mandarin aspect of everything. Uh, I do like the, the Kate Bishop Hawkeye. I did like the other Hawkeye more, but I don't know if this series kind of made me more bored with him or not. It just didn't pull me in like I was hoping because the first two issues had me interested. Then I watched Black Widow. And then when I seen the stuff that crossed over from Black Widow, it kind of just, yeah, that might have been the problem with it all that might have been the part that bored me the most but I don't know they have long ass endings on every episode and long beginnings and you can't skip over them and yeah you could fast forward which I did but there should be a quick skip so you don't have to rewatch the beginning storylines over and over and over uh, and what's with the these superhero outfits? Okay, and I'm trying not to spoil anything, but I'll just say superhero outfits. You watch them fight in flame environments and all that stuff. Don't see the flames affecting them. <laughs> 
but then they can take a superhero outfit and just throw it on a grill and throw some lighter fluid on it and burn it up. That doesn't make sense. So, I don't know. There was lots of things that kind of irritated me that they did that shouldn't have. But yeah, Hawkeye started out strong and ended weak for me. And the play, the superhero play, is bad enough watching it once, but they played it a couple times. That, I just wanted to jump out a window watching that thing going on. Don't know why they had to enhance that more than once. I wouldn't have even done it one time. But <laughs> and then we checked out Shark Beach with Chris Hemsworth. That was enjoyable. And you get to see. You could watch that and skip a bunch of other shark related stuff that they just put out on Disney lately. Because it has relationship to those items. And you get a shorter, better version of those items instead of watching a long-ass series of a couple hours of shark stories and stuff that are just repeated over and over. So I, I definitely suggest check out, check out Shark Beach with Chris Hemsworth if you want some little shark update stuff. It was enjoyable watching that. And then the other things we we're checking out on there, we, uh, we've been watching all the light getting caught up on the regular Life Below Zero. We still have, a, I think, a season or so left of that one to get caught up on yet. But that's always a really enjoyable one, watching those different families in Alaska. And now they have two side shows, which we watched both of those. The one that came out first that has two seasons in already. That one, I'm thinking the one couple is definitely going to, if they're still together next season, I'll be amazed. I expect her to leave. But this poor bastard, she leaves him. He's dead because he's already almost killed himself multiple times. And this guy just carelessly does shit. And when you're out and about in the woods, if he, I mean, he gashed his leg with a big old delimbing, uh, delimbing sword thing, and uh, the dumbass luckily had the TV crew to say, "I need, I need to be choppered out of here. I need help." If they weren't there, he would have been dead. He would have bled to death out there in the middle of nowhere. He didn't have his woman with him, so he was all alone where he was trimming trees and delimbing them. Delimbing his own limbs. It's like he's constantly pulling things to just without supports, without good ground underneath his feet. And he's just, he's just definitely going to die. He's going to get crushed or cut himself open or something's going to happen in the next season or so if he does last that long. But yeah, he's 
it's not good <laughs> that he should not be out there in the middle of Alaska trying to make a living. It's just not going to work out. And then, I really, Lemmy, you can't just go up in your tower and lay down. You just got to be on my feet now. He just went from one spot to the next. You want to come lay down now? Lemmy. Hey, dum-dum. <laughs> now he's ignoring me a little bit. <laughs> he just wants your attention until you want his attention. Then he just ignores you. But yeah, check out Life Below Zero and the two side shows. The other new one was alright too, but I like the original one the best. Uh, you get uh, now the the last couple seasons, you got uh, I can't think of his name now, damn it. But he's the dog sledder that won all the races that was a small time guy that raised raised all his dogs real well with heart and it's just hilarious watching him raising his new pups for future races he's still doing all the dog sled races and taking first place in most of them and his dogs are so good uh you see a lot of these people and they're constantly dragging the dogs around by the chains and i'm like what the hell you're out in the middle of the Alaskan frontier, and your dog should stay near you if you raise him right, and he does. He, uh, what's his name? Chris. Uh, I just can't think of it. But he'll sit there and unchain all the dogs, and they'll just run and play together close by and stay around them, and that's the way your dog should be. And the rest of them just leave them chained up and chain them right up to the sleds and then chain them right back up to the house you never see him just let the dogs run around the homestead and except for the favored dogs that get to sleep inside and stuff but yeah it's fun watching him get ready for all his races he's got himself a kick-ass little trailer that he put together now that has a bunch of beds for all the like 20 some dogs he can get in there sleeping in the trailer with his stuff, and he's got it nice and heated and all that shit. So it's it's nice to see people that take care of all their animals out there in the wild. It's like other people you see. It's like really you can't get booties for your dog. It's like the poor dog's feet are freezing at 40 below, below temperatures. And you can see the dog suffering. It's like get him some booties for Christ's sakes. You kill enough animals out there, just take the skin of an animal and make some booties for your dogs. Just... Then the other thing we checked out was the facts of life and different strokes, the live in front of, in front of a studio audience thing. It was fun just seeing the old shows brought back and done in a different way. But they could have used the real characters from the shows back then. But instead, they used people that were older than those characters. <laughs> and did it kind of condescending type of approach to the characters. Uh, 
appearances on the shows. But you get a lot of different people that joined on with it. John Lithgow, Snoop Dogg, Kevin Hart, Damon Wayans, and they're all part of the Dimmered Strokes one. And then you did get Blair Tootie, Natalie. Showed up for the Facts of Life one, and Blair did a song, the Facts of Life song and stuff. Those three looked better than their characters that played them, and they could have easily just done their own characters. But they're okay. If you like those shows, it'd be a nice little remembrance of them. Look back at them. Otherwise, it stands up with about as good as the Jefferson's All in the Family one they did last year. Just basically fun to watch, but nothing that really grabs you long term or anything. But yeah, check those out. Time to get rid of Disney Plus and get something different for the next couple months. See what's out there. But we'll get back to you with some MS stuff right after this. All right, let's get into some MS health health talk. And seeing lots of people talking about spinal taps in their near near future. I luckily haven't had a have one yet, but I'm kind of curious about them. And I want to know more of why we need them when we get good results from MRIs. Why we have to go into the spinal tap aspect of it. I think it's a lot of Dealing with doctors in certain areas that like to try their damnedest to rule out things that even though they have enough evidence to say that those things are prevalent and they still want to try and rule it out and make it something simpler for their life to deal with or just an extra way to make a few more bucks from the insurance companies. I don't know. I don't see why we need them when we have very good MRI results with the contrast and everything. But diagnosing multiple sclerosis MS involves several steps. One of the first steps is a general medical evaluation that may include a physical exam, a discussion of any symptoms, your medical history. Usually your doctor will do all the taps and the test and check for nerve type of activity and have you do your walking test and all that and observe that and your little nose to finger to nose and stuff like that, putting your hands out and balance test and things like a variety of things just to get some coordination aspects from you. If your doctor suspects that you have MS, you may need to take more tests. This includes a lumbar puncture test, also known as a spinal tap. Lumbar puncture or spinal tap involves testing your spinal fluid for signs of MS. To do so, your doctor will insert a needle into the lower part of your back to remove spinal fluid. A lumbar puncture is the only way to directly and accurately determine how much inflammation you have in your central nervous system. It also shows the activity of your immune system 
in these parts of your body, which is important for diagnosing MS. No special prep is needed during a spinal tap, but you may want to arrive early to ask any questions if you have any about what to expect during the procedure, if you haven't got the questions out of the way before coming. During a lumbar puncture, spinal fluid generally is drawn from between your third and fourth lumbar in the lower spine using a spinal needle. Your doctor will ensure that the needle is positioned between your spinal cord and the cord's covering, or the meninges, when drawing fluid. The whole procedure typically takes about an hour. You should expect results to be ready within two to three days after the procedure. A spinal tap can tell you whether the amount of protein, white blood cells, or myelin in your spinal fluids is too high. It can also reveal whether the fluid in your spine contains an abnormal level of antibodies. Analyzing your spinal fluid also can show your doctor whether you might have another condition and not MS. Some viruses can cause signs and symptoms similar to MS, so I'm guessing if you're on the cuspus there of possible likelihood that it could be something else, then I can understand going with the spinal tap. And it is interesting, the extra little things that they find out about. I'm curious about the myelin part of it. Is that decayed, damaged myelin that's left over in the spinal cord fluid? I don't know. I'm kind of curious about that. A lumbar puncture should be given along with other tests to confirm a diagnosis. The procedure can reveal issues with your autoimmune system, but other conditions that affect your nervous system like lymphoma and Lyme disease can also show high levels of antibodies and proteins in your spinal fluid, hence the need to confirm, confirm a diagnosis with additional tests. So right there, they're saying you can get results of other issues through the spinal cord test that might not be what you have also so there again i say why take the spinal puncture test if you don't have to and you can get results from other means a spinal tap can reveal an abnormal immune response caused by ms however other conditions can also cause a similar immune response in the spinal fluid also, about 5 to 10% of people who, with confirmed MS, don't show any abnormalities in their spinal tap results. For these reasons, multiple other testing methods should be used to diagnose MS. So, that's like you're not sticking a freaking big old needle in my spine if it's not going to give you the results you need. And screw that. <laughs> I just... I don't know, I just, I've heard nightmarish stuff about spinal test taps in the past, but that was many years ago, over 20 years ago, so I'm sure they've gotten way better over the years, but still, if it's not going to give you definitive results, then why the hell am I taking it? Uh, MS shares symptoms with other health pro problems. So your doctor will need to determine whether it's MS that's causing your symptoms and not another condition. Other tests your doctor might perform to rule out or confirm a diagnosis of MS include blood tests, 
magnetic resonance imaging, which is your MRI. And you can have it done with or without contrast. Preferably in an enclosed MRI, you get better results that way. From what I've been told, evoked potential test are also things that can be used. MS is often difficult for doctors to diagnose because a spinal tap alone can't prove whether you have MS. In fact, there's no single test that can confirm or deny a diagnosis. Other tests like MRI to detect lesions in your brain and spinal cord and an evoked potential test to help detect nerve damage is usually a good follow-up. Lumbar puncture is a common test used to diagnose MS, and it's a relatively simple test to perform. It's generally the first step in determining whether you have MS if you're showing symptoms, which that's just in certain areas. That's not how it works here. We use MRIs where we're, I'm at, but your doctor will determine whether further tests are needed to confirm a diagnosis. But, yeah. I'd get one if I need, needed to just to see other results. But, personally, if I don't need it, I don't want it. See, if you want, if you're into the self-help type of thing, there's a list of books of self-help help books that are better or like having a life coach right in your home. The Art of Showing Up by Rachel Wilkerson Miller. It's a revolutionary guide to strengthening friendships and practicing self-care in a time of social isolation, which is good for COVID times. The Power of Meaning by Emily S. Fahini Smith. Too many of us believe that the search for meaning is an esoteric pursuit, that you have to travel to a distant monastery or page through dusty volumes to discover life's secrets. The truth is, there are untapped sources of meaning all around us, right here, right now. This book can help take advantage of those things. The Body is Not an Apology by Sonia Renee Taylor. In a revolutionary departure from the corporate self-help and body positivity movement, Taylor forges the inextricable bond between radical self-love and social justice. I'm just giving you the publisher's perspective from these books so you can look into them if you want. The More or Less Definitive Guide to Self-Care by Anna Borges. The More or Less Definitive Guide to Self-Care is here to help you exist in the world. Borges gathers over 200 tips, activities, and stories from experts and everyday people alike into an A to Z list. Make any day a little more okay with new skills in your self-care toolkit and energy to show up for yourself. Find Your Fuck Yeah by Alex Rockley. 
for anyone tired of feeling the pressure to be better, do more, and work faster to find happiness, to self-optimize, shut up, and fit in. Find Your Fuck Yeah offers the tools to finally take our lives off autopilot and find joy where we're at right now. And we got Brain Hacks by Laura Hanos Webb. Modern life requires a lot of our brains. We need to stay organized, manage our time wisely, and make important decisions. These essential skills, known as executive functioning, affect every aspect of our lives, from how we function at work and home to how we manage stress. And then yet, the last one is the Fuck It Diet by Caroline Dooner. All these people like to swear. <laughs> and yes, they're spelling fuck with F, answer, and then the star symbol, and then CK. But I'm saying it the way it is. Uh, from comedian and ex-diet junkie, Caroline Dooner, an inspirational guide that will help you stop dieting. Reboot your relationship with food and regain your personal power. It's like, I say diets, throw them out the window and follow your body. Listen to your body. Let your body tell you what to eat and what it feels good with and eliminate the things it feels bad with. So you don't have to deal with anything that's going to bring your body down. Uh, Let's see... Some news from the past, Uh, about a year ago, researchers at the U.S. National Institute of Health reported that the presence of a chronic active lesion in the brain may provide a clue to as to how quickly multiple sclerosis symptoms will progress. They called them smoldering lesions and believed that the more smoldering lesions one has when diagnosed, the more likely their MS will be aggressive. These lesions, described as dark-rimmed spots, are difficult to see, so the researchers used a super-strong 7T MRI, a machine that's not found in most radiology offices, to look for them. The lesions in this new study... uh, seems similar to their layman's eyes, but in this case, they can be seen using a less powerful 3T MRI, the type that's in common use. Inflammatory lesions within the brain called paramagnetic rim lesions uh, visible on imaging scans may improve the accuracy of multiple sclerosis diagnosis, especially when used in combination with other imaging-based biomarkers a study reported. If corroborated in larger future studies, these white matter lesions may serve as an early diagnosis marker. And I'm kind of curious where we can get this stronger MRI visualization to see how many of these we have. And it would be nice to have a marker that would give us some type of concept whether someone's going to live a milder life with 
mild symptoms of MS or someone that's going to continually progress and have to deal with a lot of severe symptoms. I would have liked to have known where I was at and what was going to happen many, many years ago, but no one would listen to me. Uh, because Mavenclad was only approved about a year and a half ago, the jury's still out on its efficacy and patience, but this study certainly should be of interest to those considering it as a treatment. However, note that the study was sponsored by Merck Serrano, SPA, a Rome-based affiliate of Merck KGAA, Mavenclad's developer and marketer. Mavenclad cladribine appears to be better at lowering relapse rates during the first two years of the disease in relapse and remitting multiple sclerosis patients rather than other MS therapies, including interferon, copaxone, gladimer acetate, and tecfidera dimethylfumarate, a head-to-head observational study found. Mavenclad, however, was less effective at reducing these rates than Tisabri, Natralizumab. Uh, children with multiple sclerosis recover more quickly and significantly better from relapses than do adults. I mean, that's common sense. I mean, their bodies use not used to having the continual relapses and stuff and their body breaks down with more and more relapses over time. So I would think that would be. Uh, rutiximab isn't approved for MS used in the U.S., but it's frequently prescribed off-label. It's similar to Ocrevus in the way it works. Uh, Ocrevus, a second-generation anti-CD20 antibody, may be associated with a greater risk of infections, but it carries a lower risk of cancer and immune reactions that first generated than first-generation rutiximab. Sorry, I'm having a burp hiccup attack. In people with multiple sclerosis, according to the real-life study, and they, I went from Copac. Damn it. Okay, come on, body. Get back normal here. I went from Copaxone to Ocrevus to Mavenclad, so it's interesting how all those are being talked about with this, but I'd like to get a deeper, a deeper, more intense image of my MRI at, at I'd like to find out where I could get one of those done. Uh, let's see. A comparison of immune cells isolated from identical twins in which only one of each pair was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis identified a population of immune regulating T cells present in those with asymptomatic brain inflammation a study has found that's interesting i didn't know of any twins where one had ms and the other one didn't these findings suggest that t-cells may play a pivotal role in triggering ms that's why i'm hoping with wiping out my tmb cells of maven cloud that the new ones come back don't attack me 
like the old ones did. The study, Immune Signatures of pro, Prodromal Multiple Sclerosis in mo, Monogizgotic Twins, was published in the journal Proceedings of the National Academy of Science, if you want to look it up. MS is an autoimmune disease in which the immune system attacks the myelin sheath, the protective coating around the nerve cells, resulting in inflammation, which causes further damage. Genetic and environmental factors shape the autoimmune response in MS. However, capturing the autoimmunity-related changes that trigger the disease is complicated by the variability, the heterogeneity, of the human population, which has a high degree of genetic and environmental diversity. Furthermore, the appearance of symptoms can be preceded by a long-lasting phase of clinical, silent, asymptomatic neuroinflammation, making it difficult to differentiate between early and late stages of the autoimmune response. Uh, they did a bunch of research and stuff, and looked into how the T-cells trigger early MS inflammation. But that is highly interesting how one twin can be so different from the other twin and as far as disease responses go. So that could be an interesting study to read up more on. Uh, let's see, we got some gut bacteria stuff here. Two specific bacteria present together in the gut led to more immune attacks on myelin and harsher symptoms in a mouse model of multiple sclerosis. These findings add to existing evidence supporting the link between gut microbiota and MS and highlight the need to consider potential combined effects of the microorganisms. It's like we talked about the probiotics and prebiotics in the past. How you need both of them to work together to have a happy gut. Future studies are needed, of course, to find out more about the tar the autoimmune disease by targeting intestinal microbiota. The study that they used, if you want to research it, is called Gut Microorganisms Act Together to Exasperate Inflammation in Spinal Cords. It was published in the journal nature gut microbiota a vast community of friendly bacteria fungi and viruses that colonize the gastrointestinal tract help to maintain a balanced gut function protect against disease causing organisms and influence the host immune system and inflammatory responses increasing evidence points to gut microbiota as an important contributor to ms development or severity, with MS patients showing a gut microbiota imbalance towards pro-inflammatory microorganisms. However, how gut microorganisms promote inflammation and immune attacks against myelin, the protective sheath that covers nerve fibers and is wrongly targeted in MS in the central nervous system, the brain and spinal cord, remains unclear. So they're going to keep doing some research and looking into it. But I feel very strongly about the gut 
microbiome, keeping it happy. Happy gut, happy life, happy wife, happy life. Everything has to be happy to have a happy life. Let's see, end of the year, it's cold as hell. Let's learn about the wind chill effect. Just some oddball stuff here now, get away from the health shit. But wind chill is part of our health. Gotta watch out for it, you're gonna freeze, get frostbite. As the wind speeds increase, the body is cooled at a faster rate, causing skin temperatures to drop. The wind chill table was designed by the National Weather Service to accurately calculate how cold air feels on human skin. The chart is based on heat loss from exposed skin and was tested on human subjects. For example, when temperature is 15 degrees Fahrenheit and the wind speed is 30 miles per hour, the wind chill, or how cold it feels, is negative 5 degrees Fahrenheit. It's like once you get like negative 20, frostbite occurs in about 30 minutes. Once you get to negative 30s, you're looking at frostbite in about 10 minutes, and you hit the negative 50s and up, and you're going to have frostbite within five minutes or less. So, how wind chill can lead to frostbite? The combination of cold temperature and high wind could cause your flesh to freeze. Be frostbitten. The chart has a frostbite indicator. The points where temperature, wind speed, and exposure time will produce frostbite on humans. Each of the shaded areas shows how long a person can be exposed before frostbite develops, which I basically told you. A rough example of it, for example, a temperature of 0 degrees Fahrenheit and a wind speed of 15 miles an hour will produce a wind chill temperature of negative 19 degrees Fahrenheit. In this case, exposed skin could freeze in about 30 minutes, so you don't want to be out there during that. The dangers of wind chill. Frostbite usually starts with the fingers, toes, tip of nose, and earlobes. Those are things you want to keep the warmest because they're going to get cold the fastest. If you lose feeling in these areas or they are turning pale or white, immediately get indoors and get medical attention. Hypothermia occurs when your body's temperature drops too low. Symptoms include uncontrolled, uncontrollable shivering, disorientation, and incoherence. Seek medical attention immediately. In both cases, rewarm the body very slowly. Don't just dump a bunch of blankets and heat on you and shock the system right off the bat. Just gradually warm it up. <coughs> Excuse me. Be smart about wind chill. Dress for cold weather. Wear layers of loose-fitting, warm clothing. The layers will trap air and provide insulation. Your outer shell should be water repellent and hooded. Always wear a hat. Consider a balaclava to cover your mouth and protect your lungs. Be aware that mittens are better than gloves. And they have a lot of good stuff out there nowadays for protection, clothing-wise, for being out in the cold and stuff, so. 
you can look into those and find yourself some good comfortable fitting stuff just don't wear tight fitting clothes have stuff that's got some looseness got some openness and you can sit there and mix it up with what you're wearing but yeah look into those let's see do we got a good kelvin and a hobbs that we could end this with Yeah, a bunch of snowmen with picket signs in the front year, front yard of Kevin's house. Kevin's, Kelvin's house. I'm doing it again. <laughs> Calling him Kevin again. Some of the snowmen's picket signs say, too strict, homework no, more freedom, Kelvin's dad unfair, later bedtimes, fewer baths, he got bad dad. <laughs> You see his dad pulling into the driveway, which he needs to get his butt out there and shovel. He's, he's driving over a bunch of snow in his driveway. He's just going to pack it down and it's going to turn to ice. But as he pulls in, his dad says, no one else at the office talks about this kind of thing. Because nobody else has such a strange child. <laughs> and the next set of panels, we got Kelvin and Hobbs going out sledding. Kelvin's talking to Hobbs. I like sledding downhills, but I hate having to climb back up. It's too much work. It's boring. It's slow. That's what you got a tiger for. The tiger should pull you back up the hill. <laughs> I know. I'll sit on the sled and you pull me up, okay? Run as fast as you can and zigzag around trees and stuff. <laughs> and then next panel, see Kelvin Rant is sitting in the on his sled pouting as... Hobbs just ran away. And Kelvin says, even my friends don't do what I want. Because your friend's a stuffed animal and he can't exactly pull you. <laughs> and I see on the next set of panels, Kelvin's building a bunch of snow tunnels. See the couple staring out the window. And the ma says, Kelvin's been outside building something since early this morning. I can't tell what it is, can you? It doesn't look like anything from here. Then we get a nice sky view, and it's a giant dinosaur head that's eating their house. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Good old Kelvin and Hobbs. That's it for today. Hope it was fun. Hope you learned something. Be good to yourself. Be good to everybody else. Catch you at a monster. Check out Crimson Color Comic Club. Check out Under the Call, Under the Call of MS. There's lots of great things out there right now. But enjoy the rest of the year. And we'll talk to you again, hopefully, next year. Have a good one.